Hi, I'm Father Gregory Pine. And I'm Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. And you're listening to the Catholic Classics Podcast, where we seek to grow our interior lives by learning from the Church's greatest saints and teachers. Each season, we'll read through a great work, explain its spiritual principles, and help you apply its timeless wisdom to your life. The Catholic Classics Podcast is brought to you by Ascension. This season, we are reading Ascension's edition of Confessions by St. Augustine. A few reminders before we get started. To download the reading plan for Confessions, visit ascensionpress.com slash catholicclassics or text CONFESSIONS to 33777. Click follow or subscribe in your podcast app for daily notifications. Today we will be beginning Book 12, the Ascension edition of Confessions. This bonus episode is an introduction to the reflections that you'll hear for the next few days. If you'd like to hear some of our conversations on other subjects, follow up with us and three of our brother priests on the podcast, Godsplaining. There you'll find weekly episodes on a variety of Catholic themes with occasional guests, scriptural meditations, and special series. You can find Godsplaining with any podcast app on YouTube and at godsplaining.org. Okay, in the words of a wise poet, uh, which wise poet is us in past episodes, let's get started. <laughs> In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Breathe in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may all be holy. Act in me, O Holy Spirit, that my work too may be holy. Draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, that I love but what is holy. Strengthen me, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. Guard me then, O Holy Spirit, that I always may be holy. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, you might find yourself asking, did you just quote yourself as if a wise poet making reference to earlier introductory episodes? The answer would be yes. And I do that not because I thought that it was a good idea, but because it reflects the fact that we are making our way to the end. And um, maybe we're feeling a little bit silly, or maybe we feel like we're kind of coming to pieces as we uh, you know, strive to understand some of these difficult passages from Augustine's Confessions. So I'm just trying to be real uh, with you, with the listener, with all God's children. Your thoughts on being real? Um, I'm always <laughs> real. <laughs> I don't I don't know. That's not that that's great. Um I, I think I'm less daunted or thrown. I don't know. I'm I'm good. We're rolling, we're cruising. Yeah. So I guess all of you who are listening can pick your camp, either Father Gregory and sort of like, oh no, or Father Jacob Bertrand and kind of like, oh yes. So choose your camp. And, uh, but we're going to yeah. do it together, nonetheless. Yeah. It, it's funny. I Sometimes when I, I think about trying to describe a situation, I like to make compound words that make little to no sense. This was introduced to me by a man named Jared, who combined the words tough and difficult to make tough which I feel like is a lighthearted way of saying this could be interesting. But now that you've said daunted and and thrown, I'm thinking of like thronted and done, um, both, <laughs> both of which are very evocative. So um, don't be thronted or done, dear listener. Let's just get after it. So this is book 12. And in this book, we're going to be meditating on sacred scripture, as St. Augustine has given indication both in his Retractationis, which we have quoted to this point, and then just in the, the general format or arrangement of the book. So in the last book, we talked about Genesis 1-1. Obviously, he made reference to other scriptural passages, since whenever we interpret sacred scripture, we do so in dialogue with the whole of the text. In this book 12, he's going to be reading Genesis 1-2. So recall that in Genesis 1-1, we heard that God created the heavens and the earth. And then in Genesis 2-2, we hear further, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. So 
St. Augustine, is trying to help us to read the sacred scripture with greater sensitivity, with greater subtlety, with a greater uh, kind of feel for what God is doing through the sacred page itself. So, Father Jacob Bertrand, as we approach this text, any salutary reminders for the reader, any salutary reminders for ourselves? Well, I just had an epiphany as you were talking. Nice. And I'm going to share. If you're trying to remember what happens in these books, remember book 11 that we've finished covers Genesis 1-1. And if you were to put a colon between 11, you'd get 1-1. And book 12, if you put a colon between 12, you'd get 1-2. You will never forget what books 11 and 12 of the Confessions are about again. So you're welcome. You can (laughs) hang up now and (laughs) take that tidbit with you. Uh, Seriously, though, that is serious. It is true what I've just said. But seriously, on on the topic, um, I would caution, dear listener, with the excitement that I had at the at the top of the episode, not the dauntedness of Father Gregory, but we're going to get into the weeds again, and it's going to be for the sake of what, for the sake of getting at the truth and the sake of looking at the reality in which we exist. This time, more with respect to what the scriptures give us and how they give it to us. So St. Augustine is going to consider how it is that the authors write and their intentions and the meanings of the of the words and the pages that we're going to encounter. Um, and it might seem like, ah, oh, this is, there's a lot here. And it's true, there is a lot here. But as we cling to the principle that we've clung to so far, it's, we don't need to have a mastery of every line of St. Augustine, but recognize that he's leading us on his journey to Christ and that we can be brought to it too. So, not only does St. Augustine have a lot to say, so do the scriptures, shockingly. You know, so I would say <laughs> buckle up, get ready, but it's good. It's it'll be it'll be great. So Yeah, and what what we find in reading this book, I mean, it's been the case throughout the confessions, but I think it comes to a certain what climax here in book 12 is that St. Augustine has recounted the details of his life and he intends those details of his life to function as a kind of icon for the working of grace more generally so that we can avail ourselves of that same grace in our own ongoing conversion. And in the last three books, as he treats sacred scripture, it's not just like a kind of dry, sterile, exegetical exercise so we can publish another book about another scriptural theme and have that on his resume so that he can get tenure at like the University of Carthage or the University of Hippo. No. The point here is to afford us a kind of vocabulary and grammar for our own ongoing conversation with the Lord and for our own ongoing conversion. Because the sacred page, it's not like it's a lexicon or it's like a rule book or something else, but it is a very fertile or fecund kind of like wellspring, as it were, of revelation and grace. And when we learn, as it were, to kind of immerse ourselves, specifically our minds and hearts in that wellspring, we find that it wells up within us and that it makes it possible for us to give testimony to that life uh, and to live that life. So I think that the biblical inspiration is the principle of a kind of biblical fecundity. I love that word, but it's weird, but like fruitfulness, right? And a fruitfulness that translates into life. And we're going to talk about life specifically as a kind of norm for judgment. So Father Jacob Bertrand, and thinking about our own conversion and the role that scripture plays in it, are there particular things that you want to pick out or identify? I would say this, that we have to have a sort of um, we'll talk about the issue or the seeming issue of relativism when we talk about scripture having different meanings or multiple meanings or getting at one thing from multiple directions. And that's not what I'm suggesting here in saying this, but we have to have a sort of flexibility in reading the scriptures. 
for a whole host of reasons, because they are the written word of God that speaks to us, and that flexibility can be in terms of our being conformed to what God is doing. You know, we don't conform the scriptures to our lives, but just the other way around. It can have to do with what and how has been written, the context, the audience, that sort of thing. But also, like, recognize that the complexity of scripture isn't a unique thing, because the complexity of life is real. So even when our Lord talks to or about something, it can be multifaceted. You know, prophecy can be multifaceted, and our own lives are multifaceted. So I think this level, we'll talk more about it, but this sort of reality of being flexible and in interpreting the scriptures and being receptive, despite or in the shadow of its complexity, is, is an attitude and a disposition we need to take with St. Augustine here. Yeah. And I think that uh, this is a good principle, and it's one that I think a, a modern audience will find challenging, because usually when people tell us to like be flexible or be tolerant or be open-minded and not be so close-minded or bigoted or, you know, opinion or whatever else, it's usually like we're being aggressed and oppressed. And so a lot of us have, have kind of grown thick skin to encouragements of such a sort. And when we are encouraged in that way, we tend to rebel against it, react strongly against it because... Yeah, it's no bueno, as they say in Espanol. Um, but I think here, St. Augustine has a different kind of tolerance or openness in mind. It's not like he's saying, yeah, you know, do whatever because whatever is fine, if St. Augustine, you know, came from like Manhasset Neck on Long Island. Um, he's, he's saying, no, like the point here is that we accommodate ourselves to God's manner of speech, of revelation, of mediation, of communication. And to do that, it's going to demand of us a kind of ampleness of spirit, because God is greater than our minds and hearts. He just is. And if we find ourselves saying, it's only this way, and other people are fools, you know, we might be right in certain cases. Like if we think, for instance, that our Lord Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, we're right in thinking that. And people who don't think that are rightly called heretics because the error of their judgment actually keeps them from receiving the divine life, which is a serious problem. So that's why the church weighs in as she does. But in your description, Father Jacob Burton, you highlighted, you know, that this idea like, okay, so the Holy Spirit can breathe many meanings into the sacred scriptures as the principal author, but also by the ministrations, by the instrumentality of the inspired author himself. So, you know, the, the individual in whatever century who's writing the book of Genesis in this case can have a variety of things in mind because he can be attuned to God doing a variety of things in his life and the life of the people of Israel. And so, too, this complexity or this richness, it actually corresponds to the complexity and richness of our human lives. And as a result of which, we have such a gift in sacred scripture that we're never going to exhaust it, right? We're never going to be able to, you know, kind of set it aside and say, you know, been there, done that, got that t-shirt. We're going to have to continue to engage with it throughout the course of our lives, at the very least, by virtue of the embarrassment, which would overwhelm us and saying, yeah, I've grown beyond them. And then trying to look another committed Christian in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and saying such a foolish thing. So yes, so there's there's something here, there's something at stake, there's something at work, and we're trying to dispose ourselves to the reception of it. So yeah, I don't know what your experience of is, you know, and having read the confessions and having had some taste of this, but then in your own personal practice of a prayer and meditation, yeah, where do you find this kind of cashing out for the individual listener or reader? Yeah, in my, my own experience, a little dose of vulnerability, in my own sort of prayer and study, um, prayer really, I, I like to always be flipping through the Psalms and a gospel. Sometimes 
I'll sit on, you know, the, the pages of the Psalms won't turn very quickly. And sometimes the pages of the gospel won't, and sometimes they will, but I'm always surprised and I'll jot little notes down or usually just kind of make a line in the margins of something that catches my attention or the way the words speak to me or are moving me or whatever, however you want to describe it. And I often will go back and as I'm going back through, think what I, I can't even remember what I was thinking at this time, because I don't really jot down notes. I just kind of underline or whatever. And I think a lot of people do that in different ways. Who cares? But I think it, it, for me, it highlights, again, the not the complexity of the scriptures in the sense that they are like a complicated math equation that if I can balance both sides of the equal sign, then somehow like there it is, there's the answer. Everything will be solved and then I can close the book and move on to something else. But it highlights the complexity of it in the sense that it's never done. The Lord's never done speaking and working. And that's even true through the through words that don't change on a page. You know, he's never done communicating. And we see, the, I, I see this in my reading of St. Augustine, even in, in his own life, but his own, his investigation into even complicated realities like time and creation. And we can never exhaust God and God's communication to us can never be exhausted. And that shouldn't deter us. It shouldn't scare us. It shouldn't be like, well, if it's never going to be done or figured out, then why bother? But just the opposite, that we ought to lean in and dive in and give ourselves to it more and more and and, and let him work through it, through the scriptures, through his grace in our own lives. And yeah, I mean, Augustine is a, a hesitant model in this. And I mean, hesitant because we've read books and books and books before his conversion, you know, so that probably is true in all of our lives, but nonetheless, something, an approach, it's the approach of the disciple, I guess. Yeah. And as we've discussed in reading the first several books of the Confessions, providence has been very present as a kind of theme or as a kind of leitmotif. And so we've seen the Lord orchestrating the goings-on of St. Augustine's life in such a way as to bring him to the point of like attrition of kind of breakdown before the call of, you know, the evangelical life, before the call of our Lord Jesus Christ, um, such that, you know, he's been like tenderized and what, yeah, he's just been made vulnerable to it by the time that it arrives. And I think that the sacred scriptures, obviously, they played a role in that, the Toledo Lege and then the text that he read corresponding so closely with his existential state, and then the recognition that he needed to move beyond the things that he was clinging. Okay, so obviously scripture plays a role in that. But I think that what we're seeing here in his reading of sacred scripture in books 11, 12, and 13 is that, you know, scripture is a principal kind of monument of the tradition, which tradition is like a current that runs through the middle of God's providence. And God is always trying to draw us into that current so as to sweep us down, you know, with all of the things that have come from upstream, like uh, you know, the institution of the church and the fathers and whatever else, you know, lots of good things besides the, the sanctity of those holy persons who have gone before us, uh, so as to arrive ultimately at a kind of like big delta of heaven, which is a weird image, but you can see how providence is always trying to kind of like get us into the middle, not in the sense that we become like politically bland or radical centrists, but in the sense that God is at work in the middle of this providential happening and that we want to be close to him and the current draws us along into it. So just to have a sense for where the sacred scripture is to be found, it's to be found in the current of tradition as its principal monument, and that we, in clinging to the sacred page, come to discover that uh, we've just kind of located ourselves right in the heart of the mystery of providence, of God's providence and God's attention to us and loving kindness for us. That was somewhat incoherent, but alas, many things that I say are incoherent. So alas and alack. Uh, Father Jacob Bertrand, any some 
final thoughts here as we as we work our way into book 12 as we prepare to ask seek and knock and have uh yeah have the lord respond positively to those demands yeah it, it i guess in in anticipation of these episodes and thinking about them these chapters it it amazes me or it never ceases to amaze me the sort of relational nature of god's communication to us and what i mean by that is that even in direct communication through prayer and through grace with god it's a relationship of persons you know it's a relationship of god and me of the father son and holy spirit in me but also as we you know when we pick up the scriptures and interact with the scriptures it's also a relationship with the word and the authors and all of that i was going to say baggage but not in a bad sense but in the sort of best sort of sense you know when we read the lamentations or you know of of jeremiah when we read the any uh, that one just popped into my head but you know there's the complexity and, and reality of his life that also comes to bear in in the lord using him as an author and a prophet that interacts with our own lives and yeah, that's not to be overwhelmed by, oh my gosh, there are all these things to balance and figure out, but just to recognize the the beauty and God's desire to share his life and his entrance into our lives, into the reality as, you know, taking up the theme from book 11 that we've just finished, the reality of time into which he enters um, and drawing that all together in him. It's, it's kind of just like awesome in the most strict definition of the word that we're just kind of, I'm kind of awestruck by it. So... Yeah, it's great. Boom. All right, well, we're looking forward to reading this book with you. As St. Augustine will describe, and as we will comment, the real standard for the interpretation of sacred scripture is that it transform us, right? That it produce love in the hearts of believers, so love of God and love of neighbor. So we approach this book, uh, we approach the sacred page with a kind of disposition of, you know, beggars or of you know suppliants who ask god for a, a richer outpouring of his love so that we might respond to it with generosity in faith okay so that is our prayer for you we had asked that you pray for us in similar fashion and we'll look forward to chatting with you next time on catholic classics <laughs>